Welcome to the Color Auntie Podcast. My name is Grace, joined by my co-host, Kozan. And we are so glad that you're here with us. We're just your northern girls trying to live our best life. We're here to help you through those dreadful morning commutes, or if you're just wanting to hear Quay out of things you may be experiencing, because both Quay and I have been there. We don't really know what we're doing in life, but we're hoping to figure it out with you along the way. <laughs> yeah. So listen, your podcast aunties love ya. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Call Her Auntie podcast. Today, we're really excited to welcome our new friend, Cora Bruno. Um, if you don't know who she is, Cora is a performance chef and founder of She Makes Moves and Cora Meal Prep. Performance chef in term, is like in terms of creating meals to fuel you for your workouts and for your life. She was also a personal trainer in LA, a dancer, and she is plains free from Muscatchis, Alberta. Cora is a sister and a daughter and a dog mom, and <laughs> I've been following her for almost a year now, but so I'm so happy that she's here. So welcome to the podcast, Cora. Hi, welcome. thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. And then I have one of her mugs too, guys, so you guys got to go over to her her site and get the yeah. Be Your Own Sugar Daddy mug, <laughs> and there's like a bag, and the toe you can get. Be Your Own Sugar Daddy, independent woman vibe. Over yes. <laughs> I love how you're like in LA too. I've been watching Selling Sunset and I'm really like, ooh, it looks so, so I'm like picturing your life, you know, you're like picking your dog. I'm like, wow, going to Whole Foods. I'm like, we have one Whole Foods, like, I, I don't know, like near where I live, but it's still uh-huh. like an hour away. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. it's not yeah. successful, but I'll let you yeah. introduce yourself in case we missed anything. Um, yeah. yeah. No, you guys did such a great job. You guys, uh, you know, did a, everything spot on there. Um, my name's Cora, um, born and raised in Muscatchese, Alberta. Um, I moved to LA 11 years ago now. Um, and as, as mentioned, I moved here to be a dancer. I explored that lifestyle for a little while. Um, I went to school to be a personal trainer and starting to dip into that. And what led me into what I'm doing now with my businesses and my meal prep company. Um, everything just revolved around health and fitness and now entrepreneurship is this whole other level. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I'm excited to dive in a little deeper. Yeah, we're excited too. Mm-hmm. So just a different question. Um, mm-hmm. What was life like in Muscatchese on the res? <laughs> um. You know, it, what's funny is that, like, it just feels like it's normal. And, like, to, to now separate myself and be living in L.A., mm-hmm. it's like you can see all these other layers. But, like, when you're a kid living, growing up on the red, like, life's just normal, right? There's mm-hmm. not really this, like, comparison um, b- between, like, life. But there's obviously a, a comparison between ethnicities in the surrounding towns and the feeling of like being different um the contrast now from being in LA and looking back um and just kind of like going back to the res um it's different it's very different and I the life that I had the life that I have there but as a child like the feelings of uh, stereotypes from some of the surrounding camps. It's a lot different here. Life oh, yeah. has been very, it's very, 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 very different because back home, it was like, you knew people were judging you. There was this you know strong level of racism from surrounding towns um, that were um, obviously more of a population of Caucasian. Here, it's more of that people just don't know. It's like people don't see it and it's mm-hmm. just a different level of not knowing and not understanding because they're like, oh, like you're native, like you don't look native. But back home, it's like they know what a First Nations person looks like, right? Right. Um, so there's been different layers that I've had to um, teach people about over here as compared to back home where it was more so like taking their thoughts away like these these stereotypes away and actually teaching them what's right where I like this I was just teaching them because they literally had no idea um but in all you know such a such an eye-opener but 
Um, I mean, life for me on, on the res, it felt so rich. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had such a free childhood. We got to just run around and play outside. I was raised um, on our like acreage that we had it was my grandparents, my aunts, uncles, all my cousins. So like all like so many cousins just got off the bus at one stop. And then we'd like play outside and have so much fun until like, you know, we had to go home for dinner. And to me, it just felt like the best childhood ever. I remember like coming to LA and I'm like, but like, I kind of want my kids to have that experience too. Like there was so much fun. Like, I just feel like I had the best childhood being raised in the country. Um, When you're a kid, you don't see it as like the res, right? You just, Mm -hmm. it's your life. Um, But all like as an adult now, all the, all the layers that come with it, all the values that you learn and all the things that you take with you um definitely just one of those things that you just value so much about your younger years and how it shaped you as a person um yeah yeah I loved it all my family's still on the res <laughs> so when you go home yeah. for Christmas you're going back to the res yeah, yeah when I go when I go back home it's just you know same old life like it's walking next door to like my I'm Cree so I'm like my Gokum and Muslims and um it's just I love it I love it it's just like what I feel like life is and here in LA with my career there's just like the hustle and the grind and all of these things when I go back home I always say when I go back home I feel Mm rerouted and it's just like coming back to like my little equilibrium and then I come back to LA and I feel refreshed and so that's where I go like for me with like how crazy my work life is and how crazy this city is how stressful like for me, going back to the res is like the calm, the mm-hmm. peace for me. I just feel like I'm getting back to like myself. Yeah. When I, that I totally like get what you say when you like, you go back, you feel rerouted, but I say like, I feel resed up again. Like if I had, I'm going to start using that <laughs> resed up again. I can continue yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> so how often do you, do you go back home? It varies. Last year, what's so funny is last year during COVID was the year that I actually traveled the most. I was on the plane like every single month. Yeah. Um, but last year I went home like probably six times, seven times, eight times. Like it was a lot. Yeah. This year was a little bit different. Um, I have gone home twice or no sorry only once this year actually but my family came a couple weeks ago my mom and my sister came to visit for a little bit um that was like their first trip post COVID like getting on a plane so it was nice for them them to get out because they're Mm -hmm. always you know it's always easier for me to go home and I just get to see everybody as opposed to a family coming here but I'm like like you guys want to get out like you know come and take a vacation enjoy the sun um but yeah I try and go home as often as I can I'm going home for the holidays in a few weeks here and I cannot wait um I love nothing more than just kind of like relaxing at home around family hanging out with everybody they probably have snow too yeah they already have (laughs) snow yeah and and even with like my dog I'm like he doesn't know like he doesn't know what that is either so I'm like nervous about his transition (laughs) too (laughs) I'm sure he'll love it well um I think like we relate to you so much. And even our listeners will like the whole premise of our podcast, because mm-hmm. Quinn and I both left our hometowns and our communities mm-hmm. to move to Toronto to pursue and like education. Super, super similar to yours. Like we left a yeah. really racist town. Like yeah, racist exactly. Town. Yeah. So I was wondering, um, like, did you move to LA by yourself? And I like you, you left, um, Alberta to pursue becoming a dancer so did you go to school for that or did you just turn to the workforce so tell us about that transition of yeah so when I was around I think 15 or 16 I started um trying to you know you're you're getting that pressure of like graduation what you're going to do in college all this stuff kind of like hits you around that time because you're making these decisions like to take the courses that you're supposed to take to get into college. And I never had this urge to like be something like I knew, you know, everyone I was asked, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, like a dancer performer. Like I always kind of knew that that was just in my blood and where my heart was wanting me to go. There was no 
job that I, I could pick and say that, that, that's what I want to do. So I went to college for a year back in Edmonton and well, actually, so let me go back to when I was 15, 15, 16. Um, that's when I started to realize like, you know, I really love dance. I want to pursue it. I know that there is avenues for dance. Um, and that's when So You Think You Can Dance was like the hit show and it became so popular. Um, I went to do this dance program that was here in LA. I did it twice. So I believe I did it 15 and 16. Um, so the first time I did it was 15. We traveled to LA. We got to basically the premise of this workshop was to learn the ins and outs and what this industry really is about. Because um, coming to LA seems like such a fabulous, luxurious move, but mm -hmm. when it, you're in the, the pit of the work here, the entertainment industry, it's hard. Like that's the part that people don't see is the behind the scenes and how cutthroat it is and how you're going to face so much rejection. And for every hundred no's, there's one yes. So it was really trying to just teach you like what the dance industry is here. So I did that. We auditioned for agents. We got to experience all of this. Um, and then I did it again when I was 16 and I had um, met uh, one of my best friends. We're still best friends to this day. And she was moving after graduation, she was moving straight to LA to come in to the dance industry. And I was like, okay, well, I still try and need to figure out like my transition. Cause I didn't know how I could legally move and work here. And I don't know how I figured it out. Cause I had no help. Like, I think this idea of me moving, no one believed me. <laughs> so I was like, well, I'm going to like do, just do this on my own. So like I found an immigration lawyer and like talk to him and like try to figure out and plan my steps. And then I did this whole like process by myself I, and thinking about it now, I'm like, how did I even figure that out? Because it was so like, you just, it wasn't just an, an easy Google search. I had to like find this general consulate office. I had to make a re like a reservation month, a month in advance, or I don't even know how long fill out all this paperwork. You just, it was so elaborate. You have to bring all these documents and finally was able to like get my stuff to, to come here. But I did a year, um, a year in college. And then I was telling my mom, I'm like, like I, I just need something more. Like, this isn't enough for me. Um, I know that like just doing like being here and working and like, there's always just going to be this curiosity. Mm -hmm. I need to go and try. And if I fail, at least I tried. But right. I just can, I need to know because I don't want to live the rest of my life thinking like, what if? And that is like the, what I always try and remember whenever I'm making these transitions in my life is like going back to that thought that I had when I first moved to LA was at least like, let me try and fail and, and then I'll know. I'll have my answer because um, I don't want to live the rest of my life like thinking what if we only have one life? It's, you know, the whole, um, like cliche statement, but it's just so true. I think, you know, we always tend to forget that thought process. Like we really only have one life. So it's like, what's the worst that can happen? Cause none of us are making it out of here alive, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> and it was a little harsh, but it's the truth. So I was like, and we just try and like savor each moment and, um, just try, just try. That's all. Um, and so I, after my, that first year living back home after uh, high school, gathered all the paperwork. And then I told my mom, I was like, all right, I booked a ticket. I'm leaving in two weeks. And it was literally like the Canadian dream. I had put all my shit, excuse my language, <laughs> <laughs> all my stuff into a hockey bag. And oh. I, took that with, <laughs> I took that with me to LA. All my stuff was in there. Um, and I think I was 18. Yeah, I was 18 when I moved. And I, so I came by myself, but I knew like my friend who did the dance program, I knew her. And so me and her were like, all right, we're going to just tackle this together. She was the only person I knew here in LA. I don't know how I only came here with $1,500. Like, I, I don't know how I did it. I, thinking about it, I'm like, that's not even enough for like rent here. <laughs> like, I don't know what I did, but, and I don't know how my mom allowed me to even come. Um, 
<laughs> with that amount of money, but it worked out like, you know, and everything that I always say that like everything is figure outable and it works out eventually. And it always has, but it was like thinking about it now I'm 29 turning 30. It, it, it's, there was, there's so much fear. Like when thinking about it, I'm like that, that's scary. Like, I don't know that I'd be ready to do that now, but then I'm like, you already did a girl. Um, so yeah, it was a wild transition. Um, but it, it led me here 11 years later. I'm still alive. <laughs> We're so thriving. Yeah. Yeah. It, there was a lot of like, I just had to release the fear. That's all I had to do was just release the fear because that will, that's a very strong force in itself. And it can just mm -hmm. cause you to like miss out on a lot of great opportunities. So yeah. I like how you said you just had to release the fear. Cause I was thinking when you're saying that, like, at points in our life, we're like, how were we so fearless? Like I did yeah. the exact same thing. Yeah. I was like, I'm moving to Toronto mom. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, yeah. I sold my camera to pay for like my, my down yeah. rent. And I'm just like, how did I packed up a suitcase too and left? And I'm like, holy, mm -hmm. like exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I could do it now, but yeah. Yeah. No, I think the Greyhound when I, yeah. left the, the suitcase, yeah. I think the Greyhound. And then a month later, I had to sleep. So I had to sleep for a month on an air mattress in my empty apartment. Mm -hmm. And then a month later, my dad and my brother were like, okay, we can move your bed in your one dresser mm -hmm. in a month. And I just was like living out of like a little suitcase too. But yeah, yeah. we all were like fearless then. Yeah. You know, and that, I think like thinking about just like youth in general, there, there is, I think there's so much freedom in that too, because now as like, we're, we're grown, yeah. I'm, I'm turning 30 next month. Like there's all these like attachments and responsibilities and things that like are even like more attached to our lifestyle than when I was 18, making that decision, I was free as a bird, you know? Mm -hmm. So there was definitely a lot more like fearlessness and making that decision. Um, but like, like I had mentioned, like that's, it's still that thought process. I always try and go back to when I'm making these different transitions in my life and, and even just through my twenties, like all these different career transi transitions, it was like, okay, let me go back to that, that thought, that, that mentality. Cause that's what I need right now to, you know, get to the next thing, but we all made it happen. We all made it happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever, did you have to sleep on an air mattress? Um, I think so when I moved to LA, my, my friend that I knew here, she already had a place. And so Okay. Um, I was able to just crash with her until we like figured out our situation. Um, but I didn't have any furniture at that time. So I was sleeping like on the couch or like we were just bunking together. Um, and then when we finally got our own apartment, I think I was sleeping on the couch. Actually, I think I did sleep on the air mattress for like a little while until like my Ikea furniture came, um, but it took some time. Like it wasn't instant. Like for me, mm -hmm. my my moving in to like really make my place feel like mine was like a constant thing. Um, I think it was like my family, they made a trip down like a few months later and we all did like a whole furniture haul. So there was a, there was actually a few months there where I was like dugging it out. <laughs> <laughs> I was taking the bus. Like, I don't know if you guys have been to LA, but this is not a public transportation friendly place. No. You need a car here. And so I luckily we lived in an area that was accessible to things. I was walking, but I was taking the bus to some dance classes or like if my friend was going, we just carpool or if she was out of town, she'd let me use her car. So um, I had like, uh, I got like one of the cheap, like phone companies here, kind of like a minutes phone, but it was like yeah. similar. <laughs> I was like, just trying to get by. That's all I was trying to do. And finally got a job and then started having a little bit more of like income coming in at that time. But yeah, it was just a matter of like figuring it out. You know, every day was different. Totally. I have a question. Yeah. yeah. You brought up how um, LA doesn't have a good transportation system. And that's kind of shocking to me. Cause I'm like a huge right? city doesn't have that, but does LA have a subway? Do they have like underground? Transportation? They have like, we do have, um, we do have a subway. Um, we have obviously like the, like the busing yeah. system and stuff, but it's not as friendly as like New York where you're walking mm -hmm. a few blocks and then you can just go underground, take a train and you're on the other side of the city. 
here everything's just so spread out so like our subway uh-huh. it has like it just goes like one direction it doesn't oh. really like split off into like different areas and so you're kind of getting like um I think it, it stops at like universal somewhere um there's one here in north hollywood and then it it, like basically it kind of like makes its way just into downtown la Mm -hmm. there's one more that is uh that was built just recently like in the last couple years that i've been here that goes from like downtown ish to or it's like santa monica like the beach area Mm -hmm. but it's not as like free-flowing as you think um it's it would be a better i think they've been trying to make it better because traffic here yeah Insane. that's what I hear LA yeah. yeah it's so bad it's so bad I hate it <laughs> well I don't like hear about it I only heard it on like a Drake song <laughs> <laughs> I'm like trying Drake, to act like I know about it <laughs> Drake doesn't lie Drake doesn't lie <laughs> yeah okay so I have another question um being a plains pre living in a large city like LA with all its craziness how do you stay connected to your culture? Um, this has been hard because when I first started, well, when I first started, it wasn't like um, a feeling like I lost my identity. I feel like as a plain screen woman, it's just, you are, right? You you don't have to prove anything to anybody. It's not performative. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a personal thing. Um, but in terms of practices, like there are small things that I still incorporate into like my daily routine. It's, you know, smudging, it's sage around my house. It's those types of things. It's reconnecting with mother earth outside, whether that's just like going for a walk or spending time out in nature. Um, I feel like even like those, those small little things of like, um, (laughs) like with, uh, my roommate, like with, uh, sweetgrass, I'm like, don't touch this if you're on your period. Just leave it. Just leave it. <laughs> I'll move it later. <laughs> um, it, but or like even like the sage ashes. I'm like, don't throw that away. Don't throw it in the trash. I'll take it outside. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's like those small little tiny things um, that just stick with you. Um, I feel, of course, like most attached to it when I'm back home. I'm just around like you know, my family, I'm around, I'm on my reserve. It's just, it's encompasses everything around you. Um, I think also too, it's like the knowing that you should protect your energy. Um, for me, it's like carrying like a rat root around like my stuff. Um, it's knowing how to protect yourself when you're, you know, you're walking outside or for me, like when I was dancing, like being in an mm-hmm. audition or like being in just those spaces, um, and coming back to that thought process. So it's all those like small life teachings that I feel like are just instilled in me that I, that come out in different parts of my day. Um, but when I'm back home, that's when I just feel like the most connected to, cause it is hard to always feel like you can be attached to it in a city like this. Mm-hmm. But, um, I just look at like, to the the teachings that I have was like instilled in me walking outside my door every day I feel like have helped navigate all my decisions all the things that I have done um so yeah it it, it will say it has been a challenge it always it hasn't always been you know so easy but that's why I had mentioned like going back to the reserve I always feel like rerouted it's just, mm-hmm. it's just that thing, my body and my mind, my spirit. And I was just like that I crave to have again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. That so was, I have a different, sorry, What's I just to say something about the, how you, you said you stay connected to like mother earth and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It'd be like such a transition just being in LA. Cause I feel like Quay and I were still in Ontario. Like, so we're like, oh, we yeah. see the same trees, you yeah. know, like the lakes, but like you step outside, you see palm trees. You're like, this is still yeah. my earth. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday I was talking to my mom. I, you know, I was kind of having a rough day yesterday and she's like, you know, like she, she's always like the force to like remind me to, um, just like, you know, go outside, like just connect with mother earth with, I don't know, just find a patch of grass if you can. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. It's <laughs> the least you can do no just like a patch of grass wherever if you have to drive to go find it but, uh, 
Yeah, no, for me too, it's like even reconnecting or like staying connected and like even visiting water. Mm -hmm. My mom always does this thing where she, you know, every time we're by the ocean or a lake or whatever, you know, she's like, you have to say hello to the water. So anytime I'm at the beach, I'll like take Coda. I'm like, Coda, we got to go say hello to the water. But like, I like spending time by, by like the sounds of water, by water. For me, it's just like a, this tranquility thing mm-hmm. and, and things like we obviously didn't get, well, we don't get the ocean obviously back home. Um, but just those, those like small little things, I feel like that just kind of come out um, naturally on a daily basis. But yeah. I had a question. So in Canada, we have like friendship centers and stuff. And like in Toronto, we have like a native center. Does LA or like the States have any of that kind of thing? Yeah. So (laughs) I feel like, um, when I first moved here, I was always trying to like find things. Um, I was always trying to find like, I'm like, okay, where, where do they have Palos around here? Where's the closest reds? Like, I just want to go. And like, I also wanted to see the comparison too. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to like find other native people that there are some here or there actually are a lot. And I tried to like connect with, you know, different people who are also native. Cause to me, that was like a force just to be recognized. Like if we stick together, you know, um, and especially in a place like this, but, um, actually within the last like few years, I started working with this one company, um, with my meal prep, they're called, um, UAII United American Indian, I forget, I forget what it stands for. But um, they have involved my meal prep company into some of their events and stuff. And this is how I got a little bit more connected. And our last event, and it's all like Native families, Native kids, um, Native workers there. I'm like, dang, I didn't know there was this many of us over here. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? We've <laughs> like, been hanging the whole time. Yeah, there was so many. And I remember talking to someone and saying that. I'm like, I've lived here for 11 years. I didn't, I did not know we were this populated here. Cause I, I've never been able to like see that amount of native mm-hmm. people here. It hasn't been until the last like few years. I think when social media just grew a little bit more stronger mm-hmm. that people were able just to kind of like find each other and connect. Um, and I've worked with a lot of other, um, like native influencers here, uh, or just other like entrepreneurs. So to me, I'm like, finally, finally but it was hard for me to find that in the beginning it was so 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 hard they do have a lot of like um I mean I can only obviously speak for LA I don't know about other parts but for here there are now that I'm um have been open to this organization that I was working with I see it a lot more and actually I was driving back from Orange County yesterday and I saw this big sign I didn't have time to take a a picture of it but it says this is Indian country and I was like hey but yeah okay cool so you spoke a little about your your meal prep and Mm -hmm. that's core meals right yeah so for people who are just um who haven't heard of it or like wonder what a meal prep thing is they're Mm -hmm. curated meals detail oriented to like professional athletes celebrities or business executives and it's creating a plan that is specific to their goals lifestyles and health review so what, like, what inspired you to start Core Meals in 2018? Yeah, um, so my story about how I started is very unique. And I always kind of preface this because I, I know that it's also an inspiring story, but it's very different than a lot of people's startups and a lot of people's beginnings of things. I was just very blessed in this um, scenario. So I was a personal trainer and again, I've always been into health and fitness, but one of my friends, um, he's also a celebrity trainer. And I started um, just taking pictures of like things that I was creating on Instagram. You know how, you know, food, you know, taking pictures of food and stuff on Instagram. And he was like, do you like meal prep? And I was like, um, yeah. And um <laughs> And, um, he was like, can you do it for Mike, Michael B? And I was like, me, like me, what? Like, I don't do this like professionally or anything like that. And, um, he asked if I would do it for Michael B. Jordan for Creed two. And so that was the beginning of like why I'm doing what I'm doing. So it became 
I got so lucky. I got so lucky and it's not at anyone's typical beginning because I know people do what I do and work so hard to try and attain those types of clients. And so I'm so grateful for my beginning because it just really was um, setting the bar for everything else I was going to be coming after. So I quit my personal training job. I was working at Equinox. I moved um, to Philly to film. We did that whole production. It was really cool. And it was an eye-opener, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And I will cherish that forever. I learned so much. And after that, there was just like some buzz within like my fitness circle. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like I... I'm very opportunistic. And so I'm like, okay, like this has to be a business. Like, let me make it into something. It's just that entrepreneurial spirit I have. And so I started the meal prep company and we got to do a lot of cool things. So, um, it is an access, it was an accessible meal prep company to LA and surrounding areas. And then I had this like, um, performance chef layer to it as well, where I was working with a lot of celebrities and athletes and getting to do some really cool jobs. Um, and like thinking about like my resume of the clients that I work with, I'm so grateful because like 99% of them are people that are big name people that I'm like, oh my God, I got to feed them. Like, <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was definitely um, a huge blessing of a beginning. And um, I had the meal prep company and so I do performance stuff. Like I said, I do performance stuff alongside the meal prep company. Um, this year in August, I actually decided to close the the meal prep company itself and just pursue my performance chef. So now it's, you know, I'm still working with the same clientele, but it became so busy and there's a lot more value attached to that where I was like, I just need to focus on this um, and just continue expanding it and growing it and helping grow my brand around this. The meal prep company, I love, and I love that I got to be able to like, you know, touch so many people, but the profit margins on a food company are just very, very slim. And there's just way more value in doing what I, what I'm doing with a lot of like my celebrity clients. So this year alone was like amazing. We got to do some, um, really, really cool stuff. Um, our latest celebrity, well, my latest celebrity that I worked with was Selma Hayek, which was crazy. I, yeah. And what did her meals look like? And then what did like Michael B. Jordan's meals look like? Wait, oh, very, then, very different. Also to like go on that <laughs> question, do you meet them or do their assistants like pick up their meals? It's been different. So a lot of my um, athletes that I work with, I was always giving it to them specifically, or they'd come pick up from me. Um, I have had a lot of people, well, I've met pretty much everybody. Um, I actually didn't get to meet her, unfortunately. Um, I coordinated with like her assistant all the time and would deliver to, you know, her house, her front door. Um, but I never got to meet her. So I wish, I wish I could have, um, but pretty much everybody else. Yeah. I've met everybody else. So, which has been great. Um, I like having that one-on-one connection with people where you can connect. Like it's just, there's just a different level of value in that. Um, but her meals were very different. They were a lot smaller, of course. They were, um, I would say in terms of selection, selection's the same in terms of clean proteins, clean carbs, clean veggies. Um, but we, I'm obviously adhering to like allergies, likes and dislikes in both departments. Mike's diet was very bodybuilder focused diet where it was like chicken, rice, broccoli, um, eggs for breakfast. Um, and it was like six small meals throughout the day. So it was things like that, but it was very like, um, focused on hitting certain numbers. And then her diet, um, it was more, she's Mexican. So it was like whole, you know, having flavor in all the foods it was incorporating, um, different things in each meal so that it wasn't a typical chicken, broccoli, (laughs) rice, you know, diet. So we do um, different types of salads with like a, um, maybe like a seared chicken breast or a seared mm-hmm. piece of salmon and just trying to keep it more exciting because mm-hmm. the, what I've had to deal with is different palates, of course, but um, some people can eat the same thing and some people like variety throughout their entire day. So it's, you know, different breakfasts every day, different lunches every day, different dinners every day different types of snacks every single day. So I spend way too much time in the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like every day picking up like 
just the smallest ingredient to make something a little bit more exciting for a client. So hers definitely had way more variety on a daily basis. Yeah. Okay. I have a, I have like a thirsty question to ask. <laughs> Is Michael B. Jordan as hot in person? always gotten this question but it's like how could you like not like how could you not like be so attracted to that um I love him and he's such a dear friend of mine that um first of all of course he's very you know uh easy okay. on the eyes yeah I'm like okay your friend is he that jacked in person yes 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 no so like he he's such do a you have heart. him on your like do you have his number like if he's your friend do you like message yes. him what? I have his number. Yes. No. Um, I mean, there's still this layer to my business where, you know, I'm keeping it professional. Exactly. Of course. Oh, yeah, sure. um, yeah. So with all my clients, like regardless of who they are, there's still this like, you know, professional curtain that I, I still, uh, keep in front of me, but, um, he is the, he, he's the best. Like he is so humble. He's so kind. Um, just them like so real and authentic. Mm-hmm. And I think like this like idea, you know, we have of celebrities, like now that I've worked with them, like, yes, it's great and it's cool. Um, but they're also real people who mm-hmm. have like real emotions and, you know, the same frustrations as us. And so um, just being there beside him and I was like, like, you are the most humble. You are so kind. And I was just in awe. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is like such a good human, yeah. such, such a good human with such a good heart. Yeah. Um, so I know you're saying how you put core meals aside to more focus on what was it? Performance performance chef. Yeah. So like my, my performance chef is still called core meals, oh, um, okay. but the, the meal prep company itself that was, um, available to the public and it was a little bit more dollar friendly. So people could still access me. Mm-hmm. Um, that part is the part that I closed in August. Okay. So what's the difference between like performance chef? Is that you just like, can you explain kind of what the difference is? And then also explain to our listeners what, what you meant by like clean protein and clean carbs too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so performance chef. So basically the clients that I work with, uh, I'm usually working either with a personal trainer or with their doctor nutritionist, um, maybe some without and I'm curating meals that are tailored to their diet, um, lifestyle. There's, there's a goal in mind for each client, whether it's like a movie that we're getting ready for a show. Um, maybe they just, you know, are trying to get back after, um, recovering from an injury. They're trying to prepare for something. I worked with a client this year because he was getting ready to do the Olympic tryouts, but he was post-injury. So we did like a, an anti-inflammatory diet for him so he can start healing quickly and his body could help him in his recovery. Um, so performance is, is basically that. It's curating things to help with the performance of whatever it is that they have going. Um, I, have, um, I, have a, I had a client, we worked with um, Oscar De La Hoya and we were getting him ready for a fight. So something like that. Um, where everything is taken into consideration um, to help them prepare for like said event. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm going to take my headphones out just because they're okay. starting to die on me. I'm sorry. Sure. Um, I, wonder, I wonder if you guys will be able to still hear me. Okay. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and so in terms of like clean eating, clean protein, carbs, fats, um, the, the amount of proteins are things like chicken breast, salmon, um, good, healthy fishes, um, things that are going to help your body through, you know, just your daily lifestyle, things that aren't like too fatty, um, like brisket for something that's, that's definitely not a clean protein, um, shrimp, um, very like low, lower fatty types, types of foods, but like salmon, it has a lot of good fats, um, eggs, egg whites, clean carbs, or, um, I, I try and say as like the most whole types of things, Mm -hmm. so sweet potatoes, wild rice, brown rice, quinoa, um, oatmeal, um, healthy fats being olive oil, avocado oil, um, nuts, almonds, you know, walnuts, cashews, um, almond butters, 
Mm-hmm. Different things to incorporate into the diet that are the closest to it being in its most natural form. Mm-hmm. The more processed you get, the more harder it is on your body and the more more likely it will just stay on your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is like, I know food is so important. I wish that we learned more about this in school because yeah. when I, um, so I have a five-year-old and when I got pregnant with him, I had gestational diabetes. So I had to re- learn really quick. Like, and I know that like our indigenous population are more susceptible to diabetes And I had no idea like what would, you know, Mm -hmm. raise my blood sugars and I'm being told to like cut my banana in half. And I was just like, how are we not learning this? And then as like throughout my journey this past year, I've seen a naturopath also, I'm just like, there's so much. And it's just like, I don't know, like helpful tips that I just wish like mainstream Western doctors gave, like, you know, like stay away from these type of oils, like palm oils that are in like a lot of our, you know, like it's like even just how to read like the ingredients label would be so important. So yeah. Yeah. We and Grace talked about this before how like we wish that our families and our communities knew about like nutrition. Cause I feel like that's such a lack of education. Like my yeah. one example is one of my best friends. She thought uh uh, peanut butter and jam sandwich and a granola bar and an apple was a well-rounded diet mm-hmm. and then when we like because so she's into fitness now and she's like oh now that I know and I've learned on my own more about nutrition I'm she's like what was I doing or like but that's what we were taught and that's what our parents knew and they did the best they could but we're like we wish yeah. this education was more like broader shared and stuff and then well, me and Grace like- were go ahead Oh, sorry. It's even like demographic focus too. Like when you think about the accessibility of food, mm-hmm. the cheaper food is what people tend to stick around. So it just keeps poor people poor. It keeps mm-hmm. people sick. And, and that's just for any demographic, any like BIPOC demographic, mm-hmm. um, especially community oriented, like reserves. There's some reserves that are just way more out there that don't necessarily aren't don't have access to the city or towns as some others do Mm -hmm. um so even the food costs there for healthy things are just like way overpriced maybe they're they have the the easiest thing is just to grab like fast food stuff and it's more you know native families are huge like you just have more um more people to feed so it's like kfc (laughs) you know it's like the easiest thing Mm -hmm. um but i think too it's accessibility of that Mm -hmm. um yes it's like it's also the knowledge but you know when i look on my reserve like the the healthy thing is subway that's all we have other than that and that's not even healthy that's like processed meats like pregnant women can't go to subway you can't eat processed meats um all the ingredients are just obviously not fresh um and we have just terrible options, terrible options for people. So it keeps us in this loop of like, just having diabetes, being overweight, um, not having like longevity in someone's life because it's just food that's bad for you. It's very processed. Um, I've always had this urge. I'm like, well, what can we do? What can we do? And it, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it keeps us in this mindset though, because it, as an entrepreneur, I'm like, I'm like, I want to, I, I see opportunity. I see opportunity in how I can help this area. But it, it's almost like you're, um, having to like pull teeth because people still don't want to eat healthy. Like that's mm-hmm. the other part of it too, is people choose to have like the pop and the chips and the things that taste better, um, because they simply don't care. And that it's the caring part that you have to get people into. So mm-hmm. it's like for you visiting a naturopath, it's like, it, it just unlocks this different level of now knowing what's going to be the best for you and for you to you know um, carry your baby and what's going to be the most nutritious for your body and you know Mm -hmm. so um I like I've always been into juicing and I'm like I need to do a juice company um I was like I want to do a juice company I'm like I feel like people that's the easiest because I also um I'm like I would prefer to drink my veggies over eat them oh yeah you know and I'm like yeah and I'm like I there has to be people that are like this and I'm like I like I want to do this so bad and like make it you know, available on the reserve, but 
I always like tried to figure out, like I did do a couple of collabs with my meal prep company with like our elders home and things like that back on my reserve. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's this, I wish we would have, like, we would have been taught more about it. Um, I think uh, even too, with like diabetes, like most native people, if you look at our, our, the history of our diet, so different than what it right. is now. It is, and I think yeah. that's why there is like this high rate of obesity, high rate of diabetes. Like we used to eat the most pure to the earth, mm-hmm. you know, and, and now mm-hmm. it's different and things are so different. They're so processed. Um, and so I've been exploring this, like eating for your blood type or eating for your, um, your like ethnicity basically. And trying to go back to that um because i feel like we we had clean diets we really had for clean sure diets. Yeah. yeah and our I, meats versus two weren't um how they are now where there's like this injecting with hormones and you know all mm-hmm. this other crap into there so yeah that's what i used to like um i used to think too like when people were vegetarian or fully like vegan and i'm like oh like indigenous people like we ate meat we ate fish so like i can't cut that out but then learning more about, about it, it's our people would hunt and we wouldn't have that every day. So mainly yeah. we were eating a, a plant-based diet because on mm-hmm. days that, or even weeks that we didn't hunt or fish, we were eating plant-based or root vegetables, mm-hmm. wild rice, things like that. So I really try, I think that's another level of like education that our communities need to go back to. And it's exactly like how you said, like, people need to care about it too, to change. Like it, we're truly addicted to bad food. Like my first month of making a transition of cutting certain foods out, I would be crying in the evenings because I was told to like, stop eating at a certain time because our body needs time to digest. Right. And I'm just sitting there crying. Like yeah, it was so hard and it's, it is fighting an addiction. Yeah. Well, you, it, it's all, it's so funny. Cause now that I'm in this field, there's all these layers where I try and tie, tie it back to like ancestral ways, ancestral things. And this knowledge of that, we actually always had it right. There's just this like new layer, um, being extracted because now we're facing more sicknesses. We're facing more diseases, when in reality, like a lot of these things, we didn't really face a whole lot, or we didn't hear hear about that we faced a whole lot um, back in the day because our diets were so different. Things like breast cancer or different types of cancer, diabetes, like you didn't, that wasn't very prevalent with our ancestors because our diets were so clean and pure. We ate the way we ate and people didn't become sick because of the food. But now we're becoming sick because of the food and we're having to go back to what our ancestors are ate, which is clean, healthy food to help get rid of these diseases that we face. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where we, and even fasting too, the power in fasting, mm-hmm. like how there's cultural, you know, meanings behind it, but like, are people still fasted technically? Back yeah, in the day? Sure. They weren't eating every single day, three meals a day, two snacks a day, like how we yeah. are now, you know? And so it, there, there are a lot of health benefits in doing that. Um, and it's, so it, it's one of those things where I'm like, we really did have it right. We did. The entire time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, what is the most popular meal that you like to make? Oh, I always get this question. Every time someone, uh, they're like, oh, you're like, you, you, you know, you're a per- performance chef. Like what's your most popular dish? It's so funny because I feel like every day I'm making something different. Like the clients that I've worked with, some that are, have been with me literally all year, every day for the past, I don't know how many months now, I've tried to do different dishes for them. So they're like enjoying because they like the creativity. They don't like eating something um, that's the same. That was, that question is always so hard for me because I'm like I, every week, I literally every day I'm like making something different. It's like very rare that I'm like recreating dishes. Um, and I spend way too much time trying to find inspiration online because I'm like, okay, I'm running out of ideas. 
Um, but I would say like for myself, I love making anything that's like Mediterranean. I love making seafood, like, yeah, like Greek I love Mediterranean. things like that. They, it tastes just so fresh, so crisp, mm-hmm. so good. But I would say that that's like my favorite thing to make. I like dipping into like the other side of things, which is like making food that just is like comfort food and just mm-hmm. tastes good, but it's not necessarily healthy for you, but it's rare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have a recipe for Bannock? <laughs> not my own personal one, because I feel like I'm like, that's one thing you just have to keep as like, as is. <laughs> touch it you can't touch it yeah <laughs> yeah okay so we want to talk about your other business that you launched and yeah. um so you launched a female entrepreneurship academy for small business and like side hustlers and the mission was to create a community of like-minded women with like digital resources and events and workshops and it's called she makes moves Mm -hmm. so what inspired you to start that so it became this idea last year during covid because i was having to travel back home every single month and come back to la get my meal prep going be there for my clients and i do enjoy doing what i'm doing Um, i've always had this entrepreneurial spirit like it runs in my family i don't know how many businesses are we have in our family from like my aunts, my uncles, you know, my cousins at this point. Um, and so I, I, when I was a personal trainer and I worked at a gym, it was always this urge of like, okay, let me just like get through this phase in my life. But I just knew on like a soul level that I couldn't have a boss. I can't have a boss. <laughs> I don't do well having a boss. I'm a Capricorn. I'm like a natural born leader. I'm like, it has to be me. I have to be at the top. <laughs> Um, and so I just always liked this idea of like reporting back to myself. It's way more harder to be a, a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, having to keep your own self accountable as opposed mm-hmm. to somebody else. Cause that part is nice, but I just knew that there was something more for me and I would be, I would live a more enjoyable life like that. Um, so that's where like the start of core meals came and then I'm like, okay, like I, you know, there's going to be more businesses in my life. Like what's the next one. And last year, um, during COVID, uh, this be just became a thought in my head. I'm like this, I love that social media is encompassing so much around small businesses. Like people are being taught so like so freely now on social media, Mm -hmm. how to open a business. That was not the case when I opened a business. I, I say I got my degree from Google and YouTube because I spent like, I would spend like two hours every morning. I told myself every morning you're, you're going to go to class. You're going to learn something about a business. Cause I had no idea. I didn't know mm-hmm. how to start a business, especially here in the States where I'm having to learn something so different from businesses back home where I could have just True. easily used that resource. And so it just took me a lot longer and I had nobody to ask questions to. I had no community around that. Um, Cause I feel like in my circle of people, I was the only one who had was trying to start a business at that time um, outside of personal training. And so I was like, I want to just make an avenue for small businesses, solopreneurs who have this dream of opening a, a business, running a business, but they don't want to feel the pressure of having to make it into this large, large company. They want to still be present and, you know, in the home, be moms, um, you know, there's different levels of business structure. Some people are wanting like a fortune 500 company and mm-hmm. some people don't necessarily want that lifestyle. They don't want the stress of having to, their whole life is that they still want to live this, you know, a little normal life and be a good mom, be a good dad, whatever it is. Um, and have this business cause they love it and, you know, build it up, make more money, get more customers, but not have the pressure to, you know, be nationwide or worldwide or anything like that. And so I saw that this niche, like for me, that's what it is. Like I, I want to have a business. I want to like expand and grow, but I still want to be able to come back to myself, save some me for me. I want to, you know, have a family one day. I want to be present in the home. And so one, it was having an online business, um, that I can work anywhere. Like that's my dream is to be able to go anywhere. I can go back home for like a month Mm -hmm. and not have to worry about coming back for work because I would have this, you know, online platform to help other small business owners. But two was helping small business owners feel like they can have a resource to ask questions to, to, you know, feel like they were involved in a community 
Um, I feel like companies that are alike to mine focus on the brands that are a lot bigger and are wanting to expand to that next level of being nationwide. Um, I wanted to focus more on the women who have the same aspirations as me, where they kind of want to stay within this, this ream where, you know, it doesn't become too out of touch for them. Um, so yeah, it was more so about, about, about creating just an avenue for community, um, uh, for people to come and reach out to us, for us to be able to give tools to help business owners to access information a little bit more easily for them to like digest as well. And there's a lot of other, um, like co-contractors I'll work with. So if someone is trying to figure out how to start a business and they want someone to walk through them like step-by-step. There's a business where I can send them off to that like we work hand in hand with. Um, so small things like that. If someone needs a virtual assistant, we can team them up with a virtual assistant. So it's 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 doing that, just helping them build the structure for what it is that they want um, and feeling like they have that community. So we have a lot of plans in the future. There's so many, so many things. We're still in our first year. Like this is our foundational year, figuring out our voice, figuring out, um, you know, what our avenues are going to be to access our community, building our online presence. I'm trying to right all my wrongs from when I opened my meal prep company because I was winging it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned some really valuable tools in that first business. And I always say, you know, the first business is like your pack, practice business. So I'm trying to do things a little bit differently because with core meals, I had to like open it in a day. Like there was so much traffic coming in from off that movie where I'm like, okay, we, we're doing this tomorrow. <laughs> there was no like thought behind like the structure of it. So mm-hmm. with this, like I really value the small businesses and obviously I don't want to direct anybody wrong in their business. So this one's just going to kind of be that seed that's going to grow you know, a little, take a little bit longer. We're just watering it every now and then. And then hopefully next year, all the um, things I have planned that are more in person, like our events, our workshops, all of that can come to life. Cool. Um, I really like how you were talking about it and you're like, you don't want to go nationwide. Not that there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like, you want to care for your community immediately around you. Like that community care aspect where Mm -hmm can't really take care of or care for people who are nationwide because everyone has so much different um demands but when you keep it local you're like okay I can well and I think too like some small business owners they feel like they're they're the forgotten ones because Mm -hmm. they're not as big they don't seem Mm -hmm. as important but that's really the structure of our world is like these small mom and pop businesses it's the, the smaller businesses that really help all the other ones like truly thrive Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know for me, I'm like, well, I'm not that big. So like, I'm not that special, but no girl, you are. <laughs> so, um, two questions. Is there a cost to joining the Academy? And then what type of events and workshops that you're mentioning can people see in the future that you have in mind? Yeah. So right now there's no cost to join. Um, we are working on developing an online Academy next year, and that will be, um, more of a, Uh, like a monthly subscription base to join um excuse me we'll do things where you know you if you are part of our online subscription or your online subscriber you'll get you know a certain discount to our events our merch you'll get access to like any of our ebooks that we offer they're included you'll just get sent them you won't have to purchase them so it's just this perk to be able to still access all the things that we would be potentially selling at either a free rate or for our workshops, like maybe a, a large discount to be able to attend or even virtually. Um, so our workshops and our events that we have planned, what I really want to encompass with She Makes Moves is focusing on like BIPOC um, mm-hmm. small businesses. And so I really want to be able to bring this to back home to my reserve and explore other reserves to, to do these workshops to all the people that I have access to my um circle of people that I've networked with that I can see that can be very beneficial to helping other small business owners thrive. We want to do like in-person workshops where it's focused on empowerment. Um, We want to do workshops that are focused on business building. So if you are stuck in this phase, how can we get you, you know, from here to here? Um, So we want to do a lot of like in-person panel style events, 
where we'll have like our marketplace of small business owners. We'll have like some really awesome speakers for people to listen to. Um, there's so many things that I have in mind. We want to do a, like um, a workshop for business owners to be able to come. They'll attend and they'll get like their headshots, like a promo video for their business. Um, so small things like that, that I feel like will help business owners feel supported and be able to have those like tools and, um, at their fingertips. But we want to be able to do it here in the U.S. And we'll focus just on L.A. for now. And then also in Canada, um, starting where, with my reserve and be, being able to expand and just bring this to different communities to help their businesses thrive. So um, we're going to wrap up pretty soon, but where can people buy your like merch and how do they find you? Yeah. So our website is www.shemakesmovesofficial.com. We'll always have merch there. We're doing different drops um, and we'll always do different designs. Um, right now we have two collections at our Beer Own Sugar Daddy collection. Mm -hmm. And then okay. right now we just launched uh, yesterday, our Girl Power collection. Um, and we're, we'll be doing different, different designs, different styles. Um, it's just a way, one, like being able to funnel and fund our company at the moment, since we're not driving in a large traffic with like our online subscriptions or workshops just yet. Mm -hmm. So it's still a way for me to be able to pay the people who are helping me build this behind the scenes, our social media team, um, our virtual assistant, all those little things, since I'm so busy running the meal prep stuff. Um, and, but I want to be able to have things that are, you know, empowering that people can wear, um, and, and just to feel good about, and obviously trendy things as well too. So we'll mm -hmm. always have merch on our website. You can shop online and we ship here in the U S and also in Canada. Um, I think you have like a really cute oversized tee right now too, right? Girl power. Yeah, yeah we did, um, crew neck and then we did a, um, oversized tee, which I'm, I'm obsessed with anything oversized right now. Yeah. <laughs> no way to go. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's G R L P W R. So just kind of like a little trendy spin, spin on girl power. So it's not like too young. It's still kind of like our <laughs> age, you know? <laughs> And then if any of our listeners and um, followers wanted to follow you, what are the pages they can find you at? Um, my personal is at Cora Bruno with a K, K-O-R-A-B-R-U-N-L. And then my business page with She Makes Moves is at She Makes Moves Official. Okay, cool. And so before we wrap up, I have a question. And if um, it's about, if any of our listeners are listening and they're like, um, really enjoyed your story or like in your, your journey, what are some tips you would give your younger selves that you wish you knew now then yeah yeah you wish you knew then that you know now yeah yeah, <laughs> I know yeah. things can be kind of like a tongue twister um one that it just trust the process everything works mm -hmm. out and it leads you to where you're supposed to be um be open the plan sometimes doesn't always go as planned. I think being open and receptive to the fact that things could change beyond the picture in your head sometimes can lead you to more beautiful places. Um, that has really allowed me to do some of the things that I'm doing now. If I were, if I were so hung up on like being a dancer and then being a personal trainer and just not budging and allowing anything into my life, I don't think it would be as colorful and as vibrant as it is now. So I'm really thankful that I've always just had this curiosity to seeing and trying and it's led to some great things. Um, I think to allowing yourself like alongside being open, being adaptable, allow yourself to be adaptable to scenarios, being open and willing to learn I think for us, like being growing up on the res and being in the city, sometimes it can feel like a fish out of water, but I think you start to just strengthen some of the values that you were raised or gain new values and be able to just, you know, see more of the world. I think that traveling and being in new spaces is one of the best teachers. And that has really helped me and opened my eyes to just new perspectives. So like they all kind of encompass each other, but I would say those are like my, my top tips for sure. 
That's amazing. Thank you so much, Cora. You've been like such an inspiration to us. And I think Quay and I were just so excited about this episode. Our questions were like, we're like, uh, 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 like trying to ask them <laughs> first. So yeah, thank you so much for being on this episode. And yeah, wait, do you have any last, last words? Uh, for me? For either. Cora. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it like skipped out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Awkward silence. And it's funny because I'm like staring at the person. <laughs> like no one knows <laughs> No, I'm so, I'm so glad you guys asked me to be on here because I had seen you guys follow me a while back and I was like, how can I be on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> like, cause I love your guys' name. It's so catchy. Um, yeah, so I'm so, I'm so happy that we, we finally got to this, you know, this moment here. Um, and it just kind of worked out, but yeah, um, I always love being able to collaborate with a like, um, I'm just kind of speaking to, you know, whoever's listening, the youth, giving, just giving back to my community in any sort of way that I can. Um, to me, that is such a very important pillar mm-hmm. in my life and something that I'll just take with me forever. And that's always been like the backbone of my decision-making. It's always been the backbone of um, my work is like how this will look to those back home. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I've truly valued and I've I always value the, the times I get to speak, the times I get to present, um, or whoever asked me to do something. It's something that I just don't take for granted. So I'm so thankful for you guys for doing this and for asking me to be a guest. Um, I really appreciate it. All right, everyone. So go follow Cora and buy some of her merch, Girl Power, or Be Your Own Sugar Daddy. Um, and then until next time, toodaloo. So your podcast, Andy's know that life can be tough. And we want to end our episode with promoting the Hope for Wellness talk line. The Hope for Wellness um, helpline offers immediate help to all Indigenous people across Canada. It is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week to offer counseling and crisis intervention. Life can be tough and we've all been there. So call the toll-free helpline at 1-855-242-3310 or connect online to their chat at hopeforwellness.ca. And remember that your podcast entities love you.